helping you achieve freedom and independence. This is The Phil Kennedy Show, where you learn how to take control of your financial future. Now, listening, guiding, and injecting hope, America's money coach, Phil Kennedy. Good to see everyone again on this Sunday afternoon. I'm back live from Washington, D.C., ready to do another Phil Kennedy show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for subscribing and smashing the like button. And feel free to call in. You know the number, 571-520-PHIL. I'll take your calls live, answer your questions. Lines are open this week, unlike last week. So I'd be glad to speak with you and find out what's on your mind. In the meantime, folks know that I continue to lead and coordinate FPU classes. My most recent upcoming course starts on July 21st, and it's almost completely full. I think I capped it at 20 students, growing in popularity. So I'll probably increase the number when we do another one again, starting in late September, maybe early October. But if you'd like to be a part of that class, the link should be in the description box either after the show or during the show. Maybe I'll put it in the live chat, depending on what kind of comments I get. But this is where you learn how to do the basics. You learn how to get out of debt, build an emergency fund, start saving for retirement so that you one day can retire with dignity and move to Florida, where I just came from, went on an epic journey, round trip from Virginia to Florida by minivan. I've never done that before. Uh, everyone warns you when you get into something like this, they say, oh man, you're driving to Florida with your kids. Good luck. And they give you that knowing glance like a soldier who's been downrange and has seen the horrors of driving down 95 South and back up 95 North. But we survived it and we had some nice experiences down there that I'll share in a little while. But first, I want to get to the topic of today's show, and that's our scams, swindles, and frauds. They're everywhere, and they go hand-in-hand with a good financial plan because after you build up your nest egg, the worst thing you could do is potentially lose it to a scammer, and they're always praying and coming up with new and more innovative ways to steal from you. So one of the new ways is through impersonating celebrities, and it's it's not necessarily new, uh, but it's one of the methods that has been most successful in recent months. And one of the celebrities who happens to be impersonated more often than any other is Elon Musk. Here's an article coming from MSN Money indicating Elon Musk scams thrive on social media. No, Elon Musk isn't going to offer you a free wash or free Bitcoin on Twitter, but scammers will. Scammers are students of human psychology, whether it's duping you into clicking on a bogus email or offering fake free stuff on social media and dropping Elon Musk's name into a scam to lure the unsuspecting is a popular strategy for crooks, according to a new report. Quote, Elon Musk is an incredibly popular target for scammers and spammers on social media. Attach his name to something he has no involvement in and watch it fly. Malware Bytes Labs said this week in a blog post. Since October 2020, 
reports to the FTC of cryptocurrency scams have spiked with almost 7,000 people reporting losses of more than $80 million with a median loss of 1900 bucks, according to the FTC. That's about 12 times the number of reports and nearly 1,000% more in reported losses compared to the same period last year, the FTC said. From my perspective, this sort of thing is only going to continue to grow in size and frequency, and it's going to become more commonplace because once a fraud begins to work, then why discontinue it? Keep on going down that track, and if people are easily duped, then there's no reason to recreate the wheel. The giveaway scams typically trade on famous names. More than $2 million in cryptocurrency was lost to Elon Musk impersonators over just the past six months, according to the STC. Malwarebytes says one scam making the rounds starts like this. A Twitter account goes viral with a popular tweet. Then a bot account replies with a screenshot. In this case, it appears to show Elon Musk on Twitter saying, just Google top mid dust watch and thank me later, a reference to a map in the popular video game Counter-Strike. These schemes usually lead to portals selling the item for a grand total of $0, Malwarebytes says. What the scammers want is your address and credit card information to ship you the free product according to the report. This is when the hairs on your neck ought to stand up because we know that nothing is free. And once people start asking for your personal information, like your home address and your credit card information, there's no reason for them to have that if they really are giving you something for free. I mean, I give you this show for free. Am I ever asking my audience, hey, where do you live? And What's your uh, credit card information? No. And in fact, even if you sign up for financial coaching with me, all that information is going to be contained in Calendly. I won't even know what it looks like. So that ought to be a clue to anyone who ends up uh, falling for something like this, right? The hairs on your neck ought to stand up. And oh, by the way, Twitter is a real hellscape. So if you're on Twitter to begin with, you ought to be anticipating something like this happening to you day one. I mean, when I was on there, it was nearly every day you'd see some type of account being impersonated and all you had to do was look at the handle and realize, oh, this isn't the real guy. But the article continues here. The same goes for promotions pushed by accounts you know or even verified accounts. There's always a chance what you're seeing is a result of a compromise, the report said, adding, you've no idea what waits at the other end of a link. The aim of the ploy is to bypass spam detection. Detection, Malwarebytes said. Gmail and Outlook, for example, detect most scams and spam. So it can be a challenge for scammers to get through these filters set up by Google and Microsoft, respectively. Bitcoin is a favorite, too, and it should be. A scammer posing as Elon Musk walked away with $560,000 back in February. In that case, a man received a Twitter notification that appeared to be from Elon Musk. Musk tweeted, Dojo for Doge, the man told the BBC, referring to the cryptocurrency Dogecoin. The fake competition invited participants to send up to 10, rather 20 Bitcoin, over a million dollars at the time, and they would double their money. The man sent 10 Bitcoin and lost it all to the scammers. It was the most ever lost in a single transaction, the BBC said, citing Whale Alert, which tracks cryptocurrency transactions. I doubt it. I'm sure someone has lost more. Unfortunately, anyone could be prone 
to having a bad day, a temporary lapse in judgment, and send Bitcoin to the wrong address, either because they were defrauded or they weren't paying attention and they copy and pasted the wrong address. So I won't pile on this poor guy. It's already bad enough that at the time he lost over a half a million dollars in Bitcoin. I would think if one has half a million bucks, they are probably in the top 1% of their family, <laughs> their, their relatives in terms of net worth. This guy was able to send that off in one quick transaction. Hopefully, it was an amount that accumulated over time and he had not recently purchased it. I think that would feel a lot worse. It's easier to lose something that you never really had than to buy into an overpriced market and actually send it off without really understanding what you were doing. So the cryptocurrency market can still be dangerous and folks really need to take the time to not only understand how Bitcoin and crypto work, but also understand the ever-changing and innovative fraud schemes that are out there to take your hard-earned money away from you. One of the other things I want to mention while we're on the topic of personal finance is that I continue to offer free consultations to all of my viewers and listeners. If you'd like to take me up on it, just go down to the description box below in the show notes page and select that link for a free consultation. We can talk anytime for 30 minutes about whatever you'd like, whether it be debt, savings, budgeting, scams, frauds, swindles, Bitcoin, you name it. We'll talk about whatever you want and it's no charge. I'm not going to ask for your credit card information or home address like the poor folks that were scammed. Still taking calls, 571-520-PHIL. If somebody wants to call in, we'll cover your money topic or whatever might be even remotely related to money these days. So one of the other things out on the horizon that I find intriguing and frustrating at the same time is the fact that well, it goes back to an old cliche. The one half, one half doesn't know how the other half lives. And for the ultra wealthy, there's a separate set of rules for them. And they are able to use that to their ever incre increasing advantage. There was an article that came out back on the 13th from the Wall Street Journal that I want to share. And thanks to my aunt who passed this along to me. And I find it very interesting because in a world where Wells Fargo unilaterally shut down all these personal lines of credit, which I think is a good thing for consumers in, a long, in the long run. As the show indicates at the top, the borrowers are, the borrowers are a slave to the lender. But in uh, comparison to what the wealthy are entitled to, it's just night and day. And I think this article really brings that forth. It starts here by... Borrow, die, how rich Americans live off their paper wealth. This was back on the 13th in the Wall Street Journal by Rachel Louise Ensign and Richard Rubin. The article starts off here. Rising stocks and rock bottom interest rates have delivered a big perk to rich Americans. Cheap loans that they can use to fund their lifestyles while minimizing their tax bills. Banks say their wealthy clients are borrowing more than ever before, often using loans backed by their portfolios of stocks and bonds. 
Morgan Stanley Wealth Management clients have $68.1 billion worth of securities based and other non-mortgage loans outstanding, more than double five years earlier. Bank of America said it has $62.4 billion in securities-based loans, dwarfing its book of home equity lines of credit. The loans have special benefits beyond the flexible repayment terms and low interest rates on offer. They allow borrowers who need cash to avoid selling into a hot market. Startup founders can monetize their stakes without losing control of their companies. The very rich often use these loans as part of a buy, borrow, die strategy to avoid capital gains taxes. The article continues here, and since I'm not a Wall Street Journal subscriber, I'm not going to be able to share every detail with you. But the point here is that we've erected a Frankenstein economy that just because of cheap money, artificially low interest rates, the misallocation of resources, and all the malinvestment created by the Federal Reserve allows things like this to happen. If these banks were forced to require a real rate of return on these loans, the asset holders would think twice about borrowing against them. I mean, if we think back to the early 80s and Paul Volcker and the stories of maybe your parents or grandparents saying they had to buy a home with an interest rate that was in the teens or maybe even 20%, if that were to happen again, how many of these borrowers do you think would take Bank of America and Morgan Stanley up on their offer to borrow money against their assets when they may potentially be losing on both ends. You know, they're paying an exorbitant amount of interest. And then if the asset were to plunge in value over the, say, the next 18 months, then they would have uh, lost on all their paper gains. So the number of false signals that have been sent to the marketplace due to Fed interest rate policy are too numerous to count, and I don't think any of us truly comprehends just how massive this bubble has gotten as a result of Fed policy. So look no further than articles titled like this, Banks Say the Wealthy Are Borrowing More Than Ever Using Low Interest Loans Backed by Their Investments. This is not going to end well. I assume it will require another bailout for Wall Street, and it's going to be... It, you know, back in 2008, 2009, when all the CEOs of the top banks were ordered to Washington over a weekend and, you know, figures like $700 billion were tossed about. I'm like, wow, that's a big number. It's going to be like $70 trillion someday. <laughs> and it's not, too, it's not that far off in the distant future. I know some of the audience, the viewers and listeners might hear that figure and say, Phil, that's nuts. You know, maybe you mean $7 trillion. I think when you are on an ever-increasing curve like the debt-based U.S. monetary system is, it's only a matter of time before it hockey sticks and does something that no one ever could have imagined. And I mean, I think, as I've talked about in my previous show, Kennedy Financial, and now the Phil Kennedy Show, that it's happening right before our very eyes. And even regular folks are starting to see it. Politicians are getting together and asking Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve Chairman, hey, my constituents are complaining about the ever-increasing costs of 
normal goods and services. You know, do you have anything you can do about that? And uh, I mean, asking the Fed to do something about prices of the things we need is like asking an arsonist to man the fire station. This is not the group you want to look to to solve these problems. Thanks for everybody for smashing the likes and uh, getting your questions in. Again, feel free to call in. Number is 571-520-PHIL. I'd love to take your call. And uh, if not, give me a question in the live chat and uh, we'll talk about it there. Time to go to a break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about my trip to Florida and what I think of that state. I think you'll be interested to hear my take. See you in a minute. Are you feeling a pain related to money? Would you like some help with that? If so, I'd love to be your money coach. Simply head over to my calendar by clicking the schedule now link below. Set up your free consultation to see if we can work together to meet your needs. We'll discuss your personal situation and goals without any judgment. When you're ready to apply what you're learning on my show, then come check out philipkennedy.com. All right, so even if you don't take me up on that, you at least got to go to philipkennedy.com forward slash blog and sign up for my blog. I'm putting out a new article every week. I'm going to put out an article today about our family trip to Florida and what I think about that state. You can get these in your inbox each week. Just go down into the description box, the show notes page, click the email link and uh, sign up and I'll make sure that you get that each and every week. I'm talking about a variety of things, but I think no matter what you're into, you'll find a piece of this interesting. One of the things I shared in my old ebook, Financial Judo, How to Leverage the Crash to Your Advantage, was this map that I find extraordinarily interesting from taxfoundation.org. And this map shows the migration of personal incomes between states from 2000 to 2010. Now, I know what you're thinking. Phil, this is pretty old. Do you have a more updated version? And unfortunately, after looking, I do not. But it's worth noting that this previous version wasn't published until 2013. So uh, a good three years, more than three years after the uh, data had been collected. So maybe by 2023, we can expect to see a, a new map like this. But uh, if I take myself away here on the live chat, as well as the phone number, you'll see that Florida happened to be number one through the course of that decade, receiving more migra migratory personal income than any other state. And you will also happen to notice that number 49 was California losing $30 billion. And number 50 was the state of New York losing $45 billion. Uh, these numbers are probably going to look just tiny when the, the new map comes out. But isn't it interesting? You know, anybody who's been paying attention to the news for the last six months, isn't it interesting that the states with the most strict COVID regulations and policies are those that in the first 10 years of the new uh, 
the turn of the century here are the ones that lost the most amount of income. And now we're hearing stories that you can't even find a U-Haul truck in California because they're all rented out. The state, the residents of that state are fleeing in record numbers. Uh, same for the state of New York. And it's been well known for decades that people retire uh, in New York and then they move down to Florida to spend their wealth down there. And why is that? Well, there are a number of reasons, but the biggest incentive is just the fact that the taxes are much lower, especially on retirement incomes. I think what is Florida, one of the few uh, states that happens to be tax free. Um, so as we know from history, people tend to flee tyranny for opportunity. And then when you throw in a, several other things that I'm going to talk about in this week's blog that I'll share, when you bring in the fact that the COVID restrictions are all but gone in the state of Florida, and meanwhile, the governors in places like California and New York are hanging on to them for dear life, you only create even more incentive for people to maybe pull the plug early, retire early, and then get down to a place where the cost of living is much, much lower. And one of the ways it's much, much lower, and I'll kind of tip my hand here on my blog article, is in the form of housing. Uh, my family happens to live in a, my, my older family, the 55 plus part of the, my relatives, live in a retirement community where just a couple years ago, the typical two-bedroom, two-bath home down there was like $115,000. And these aren't crappy homes. They're, they're pretty nice. And the amenities that they come with for living in this community are even nicer. So you may be selling a home in the Northeast, the West Coast for a million plus, and you're buying a place that now, even uh, with the housing boom, is only... 200,000, maybe 250. Granted, that might sound like a lot to someone who is living hand to mouth in Eastern Kentucky, but for people who are desirous to get out of these high cost, high tax states and live someplace that's far more cheap, it's very attractive. And then when you look at things like internet bills, water, utilities, even a membership to the golf course, is only, and I say only in quotes because this is a lot of money, but for people who love to play golf and have maybe had club memberships in other states, this number is going to sound pretty low. It's only $5,000 for the year. And it's a beautiful golf course and it's covered with birds and uh, fowl and you name it. It's just, it's a one of a kind place. So I think this map that I shared is only going to be exacerbated by some of the things that we saw from COVID. And DeSantis has taken an opposite approach, opening the state up, probably because it is such a tourist destination. And we took advantage of some, some of that. We went to uh, Legoland, just south of Orlando. We also went to Gatorland up in Orlando. It was not cheap to go to these parks, but compared to going to them, in a high-tax, high-cost state like California, it was relatively inexpensive. And there was still 
some money left over to go to the gift shop and do other things and go out to eat. So I just wanted to bring this to everyone's attention because the whole purpose of doing things like Financial Peace University and living with a budget and using the Every Dollar app and making sure that we have three to six months of emergency fund to save is that one day we can stop working and retire with dignity. And that is going to become increasingly hard in the states that adopt high taxation policies that restrict free market capitalism, pummel economic growth, incentivize unemployment. These are all socialist schemes that are going to tear down those economies. And meanwhile, in the places that are green in the South, they will continue to be bolstered by the exact opposite effect. And the people that want to live in environments like that are going to move there and see a increase in wealth. Looks like we got a caller. Let's go ahead and uh, see who is calling in. It's Dino, real estate married with NFC Creative Ways to Finance. Let's find out what's going on with him. Dino, what's happening? You're on the Phil Kennedy Show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, Zeno, Z-E-N-O. Thanks. Yeah, it's good to hear from you. So you got a question about NFCs and creative ways in finance. Yeah, um, so I'm trying something a little bit unique. I have a background in commercial real estate development and uh, banking. And then I discovered NFTs and um, decided to sell um, we minted like 10,000 of them and we were selling those. And once they're sold out, I'm going to give away my $3 million investment property and self storage business as a gift. And I just was wondering if you'd heard of other creative ways that people are doing real estate, you know, mixed with NFTs, not real estate, but I am familiar with some of these athletes that are using NFTs. And, uh, can you just remind our audience non fungible tokens, right? These are a way to con connect the crypto market to real things so that they can be on a blockchain and have some trustless, immutable ledger that guarantees authenticity. Is that kind of the innovative development here that we're talking about? I don't think I could have said it better. Oh, perfect. Great. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, what we're really, the first time I was exposed to this was as it relates to sports memorabilia. And there's, we're in this weird part of human history where evolution is taking place and people are asking themselves, you know, why would I want something that's non-tangible to represent something that is? And I mean, if you take it back to like, say a Mickey Mantle baseball card, right? That is a piece of cardboard to one person, but to anybody who understands baseball card memorabilia, it's a one of a kind piece. There's hardly any left, especially because, you know, everyone's mother threw them away back in the fifties and sixties because it was just looked at as garbage. But now as we move forward to the post Bitcoin era, we're beginning to understand how something like an NFT could be preferable to title insurance and maybe the future. Yep. But we're, we're in a, a weird space right now where 
it's going to require a paradigm shift and, and people have to become more trusting of it. And the adoption is just not going to happen overnight. But I, I just say all that in advance because I want to get a few more details. You know, what do you envision in terms of meshing real estate with NFTs? Well, I think that I think that you're correct. I think that it's very disruptive when it comes to what it's going to do to legal markets and the, what about appraisers? What about you know? There's a lot of things that I think are are shifting. Um, but what I decided to do was try to gamify um, the sale. I mean, my original intent was just to sell everything for Ethereum and Bitcoin, and, you know, to try to get into the crypto markets. But I thought, well, what about if we just gave away gave away a residual income to somebody that had invested in our art. Um, so we took my, my wife and I, we, we got some photos of me spinning fire and she does a lot of photography. So we, and then I partnered up with um, a, a guy named 3d who then put his layers on it to kind of make them cool. Um, it's on rareable um, R A R I B L E.com. Um, Zeno Rossetti, and then you can find out more about it at ZenoRossetti.com. But I, I I do agree with you. There's there's it's it's extremely disruptive in the same way that you know when people are riding around horses, they go, what is this car thing? I don't. That's not safe. I'm not going to do that. You know. I mean, eventually things will turn. We're in that we're in that big shift right now. We are indeed. And in fact, uh, we got JJ chiming in. JJ, thanks for your comment. JJ writes, NFTs are scams and have nothing to do with copyright or property rights. Take that NFT to court. won't help you at all. It's a complete scam, just like ETH and everything in ETH. It's Bitcoin or nothing. You know, there, uh, I've described myself as a pseudo-Bitcoin maximalist. And the reason I say that, Dino, is because I do own alts. Um, I own alts because I don't think alts are going away. On the other hand, just like gold became the standard for money over the course of hundreds of years, I think Bitcoin, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult to overtake Bitcoin in terms of its recognition in the marketplace. Anybody who comes to crypto, the first thing they know is Bitcoin. So the NFTs have a long way to go. And then on top of that, when you see more articles coming out, there was an article this week on Twitter about some uh, DeFi scam where like the creators walked off with 32 million bucks. And it's stories like this that are going to slow adoption, regardless of whether the creators are true, truthful, right? That they really are offering value um, or not. So, you know, how do you, how do you respond to something like that? How, how do you overcome the belief that alts in general are scams and uh, NFTs are probably even more of a swindle? Well, I, I would, I would like to, above JJ's comment, what define a scam? You know, I mean, if somebody, I mean, if you go into the NFT market and you just look on stores and you see, well, this picture is selling for 300 bucks. Well, if that person thinks it's worth 300 bucks and then behind that story, most NFTs are sold by stories because people want to be involved in them. And then 
they they buy one of these NFTs for three hundred dollars USD, and then it gains momentum just like a just like an artist painting would. You know, it you you buy a print, it's authenticated, and other people find that valuable. And value, when it comes down to what money is, is really just agreement. That's why Bitcoin is now valuable because it's gained so much agreement. And so I don't, I don't, I don't really understand why "cam" is a, is a word to be used there. I don't understand. Yeah, well, I think you have a good rebuttal there. It's all about perception. I mean, anytime you look at these Christie's auctions and you see billionaires paying so much for a one of a kind piece of artwork, uh, if it's their money, and if they think that someone else is going to pay more for it someday and it comes down to authenticity, if we can enter a new world where a Michael Jordan photograph is a one of a kind piece and people want that for some reason, and it's, you know, the only one in existence of him hitting a game winning shot over Craig Elo, right? We've entered a whole new world where it doesn't necessarily have to be tangible. The more important thing is that it's unique. Someone wants to buy it and it's authentic. Then, uh, yeah, I have no problem with that. But I, I think, unfortunately, we do have a lot to overcome because there are so many scander, scammers taking advantage of um, unwitting participants or people who are just not that well educated in this whole new space. So last question for you, Dino, before I, I got to run. Uh, how'd you find the Phil Kennedy show? Was it a previous guest on Kennedy Financial or something like that? No, a friend of mine um, just told me that you were talking about some really cool stuff. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll call him because he might he might have some perspective on this because, you know, it's a new new campaign for us. Um, so I, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of fun to call in. Cool. Well, I'm glad you did. You know, we're small but growing. You know, we had a lot more guests on uh, Bitcoin maxis like Trace Mayer and Da Vinci and Safedine Amis back uh, when it was Kennedy Financial. But now we're moving to more general topics. So um, thanks for calling in and uh, feel free to call in. Yeah, I also have a I also have a um, I do a, a daily live stream every day at 930 Central. Um, and I I'm looking for guests to be on my show. So I'm like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm just getting started, too. So if you're interested in maybe coming on my show, we can uh, hit me up. Yeah, feel free to email me, Phil, at philip with one L, Kennedy.com, and uh, we'll set it up. I'd be glad to be a guest on your show and talk about uh, crypto. It's something I'm extraordinarily interested in. But as a reminder to our listeners and viewers, you can't buy crypto until you've paid off all your debt, you have an emergency fund, and you have money to invest. And uh, crypto is volatile, and you can lose it all. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about stuff like that maybe on Dino's show. Thanks for calling in, Dino. All right, so the Thank next you. topic that I want to get to before we wrap things up is this idea that we live in a world where people would rather be in the majority and be wrong than be in the minority, like my good viewers and listeners, and be right. And this is a topic that's been recently covered in many books, but the book that I'm reading right now is uh, probably something you've all heard of. You know, it's at the top of the New York Times bestseller list, Atomic Habits by James Clear. 
And the whole message of this book is if you change and improve things little bit by little bit, you know, 1% increments, like, oh, maybe I get a little better microphone, I get a little better camera, I get better lighting, I use Ecamm Live, right? We bring in live callers. Eventually, it's not noticeable, but over the course of time, you know, maybe we're finally beaming the show up to a satellite and we're hitting 522 radio stations across the country like Dave Ramsey, right? And it doesn't happen overnight, but it's with these 1% increments. One of the things, and I don't know how it necessarily relates to habits, but I think maybe it relates because people want to tear, tear, tear others down and pull them down to their level. And we've seen this with COVID where if you believe that masks really aren't helping and you voice that opinion, you will be met, especially in social media, with a throng of supporters who are willing to tell you that you're wrong. And you can apply this to many other things, you know, Fed interest rate policy, uh, artificially low interest rates, quantitative easing, anything in politics, uh, figures lie and liars figure. And the example that James uses is we've seen this probably in funny videos online where uh, someone will enter a doctor's office and they're told to have a seat and there'll be a dozen other patients there. And out of the blue, all of a sudden, the other patients who are actors will stand up. And so the person who is not in on it is sitting there and is somewhat confused and like, well, everyone's standing. They must be for a reason. I too need to stand. And then they all sit down and they're confused again. I need to sit down. So the example he uses is they've tested this on people where they say, hey, uh, here's a line on a card. Now here's some other cards. Which line does it match? And if you can get the other 11 actors to say it's this one that's clearly longer, clearly shorter, the person who is not in on it who is the test subject, will agree with the group. And I find this fascinating from our standpoint, those who are trying to pay down debt or maybe trying to store our wealth in a little bit of Bitcoin. We're in the minority. And despite having researched how these things work, that those without debt who don't have car loans and who have a paid off mortgage tend to become millionaires. Uh, those who understand technologies early and have educated themselves, whether it be the internet or things like Netflix tend to do really well for themselves. Um, and now we've got the internet of money, Bitcoin will still be met with a lot of adversity and it kind of hurts sometimes, you know, Sometimes on the Phil Kennedy show, or the uh, Kennedy Financial Show, now the Phil Kennedy Show, I would get comments in the chat and I'm like, you know, am I really wrong on this? I've really tried to look at this from all different angles. And I think it's important for all of us to know that when we are met with adversity, it could be that we're wrong or it could be that we are communicating with people who prefer to be in the majority because it's much more comfortable and socially fashionable to be a part of the majority. So if uh, you're struggling with an opinion that you have, I just wanted to share that because we all struggle with different things and it may not be you. So take solace in that for what it's worth. And if you want to read a book that may help you navigate some of these things, again, it's Atomic Habits by James Clear. And uh, I'm finding it very interesting. So go ahead and check that out. 
All right, so uh, time to wrap up the show. It looks like we had a few final comments here. We'll take a look at them. JJ writing, can't put property rights in NFT and take it to court as proof. JJ's likely right about that. Um, but on the other hand, we're now seeing people list their homes for Bitcoin. So we're in this gray area. Things are moving awfully fast. We shall see where it goes. ACU5, thanks for tuning in and sharing your comments. Do more research, JJ. His property rights are not in his NFT read-up. This is a arena of ideas. I appreciate both of you tuning in and both of you for sharing your opinions. Uh, one of the reasons I've turned off the comments on my page is I've discovered personally about myself that I am not good with social media. If I ever do return to social media, I'm going to need to hire someone who can uh, make sure that they say and write all the proper things on there because I just do not belong on there. All right. Well, thanks again for your comments. Thanks for Dino's call. And uh, we'll be back again next week. Don't forget to sign up for my email list. And if you want to talk to me for 30 minutes for free, anybody can do it. It's just got to be about something sort of money related. Then uh, click that link in the calendar below. And uh, usually any weeknight, 7, 15, 30 minutes, I'd be glad to chat with you. Thanks to all the folks who helped put this show on. Couldn't do it without you. All right. See y'all later. Thanks for listening to The Phil Kennedy Show. For more, you can watch the show live on YouTube or listen on iTunes. If you would like to speak with Phil, then click the Schedule Now link in the show notes. If you enjoyed The Phil Kennedy Show, then be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes.